How is everybody doing today? Welcome to the Making Awesome Podcast, Season 3, Episode 35. We're going to be talking all about the trends in the industry and kind of what we've seen in the past few months and how I think that's going to really affect the future of the, let's go with consumer and prosumer grade, 3D printing industry as a whole. Uh, we got a lot of awesome people here hanging out, some great comments already. Mad Cat's here, John Olson, Lean and Rain, uh, Ronnie is here, uh, let's see, Spore, uh, Sporeluck is here, Shotgunner5609, Mr. Chris Catlett is here, we got Eskimo, Jake is here, Mr. MN Don, R3DZ, Never Let the Machines Win, L NLTMW, Mike is here, Super Caro, Dianos, Super, or Sun Turtle Camper, Jonas E, and Kurt Mason. Thank you all for hanging out, and if you are new to the channel, make sure to leave a like and get subscribed, and if you are listening to this back audio only, we do these live uh, every weekend or so, unless I'm off doing random things, and we talk about cool things in the 3D printing industry, as well as... Uh, you know, the business of making, which is a lot of fun. Um, so let's kind of dive into this. But if, remember, if you do want to support us, there are plenty of ways to do that. Oh, Ben's here. That's right. It's like crazy stupid early in the morning for him. Hello, Ben. I'm so sorry. This is how you start your week is listening to me. But hey, whatever. And no, the cat's not here. She is uh, off doing important cat things. So I... You guys know how it goes, man. Cats cats have their own thing. Um, she, Last I saw her, she was uh, laying in her bed on my bed. It's just how it is. All right. So I think we can see that the trends for this industry, at least for the first few weeks and months, have been core XY, all the things. And let's not beat around the bush. These are bamboo clones, and it's exactly what they are. The Creality K1 is a bamboo clone, and if you think it's anything other than that, you're out of your mind. Creality has this history of just cloning everything that works, and they actually do a half-decent job at it. Now, we personally choose not to support them um, because, well, yeah, they, they don't have a great history of, uh, you know, respecting intellectual property of others and they are currently in litigation for this exact problem so um yeah you know take that with whatever grain of salt that you want but it seems like core xy and clipper specifically are kind of the the new hotness in this industry and for those that have been around for a while you might be like wait a minute grant this has been around forever like even i I have a D-Bot that we built five years ago. That's a big 400 by 400 by 800 build volume. And as Sporluck is saying, isn't Bamboo basically a commercialized Voron clone? Kind of, yeah. Uh, but you can't deny that at least on the outside, the Bamboo does not look like a polished end-user product that could end up in a kitchen, right? And th that to me is where we move away from the, um, you know, the, the side of this product that is made for makers versus a product that is made for your home. I think the bamboo has hit the look of a product that's made for your home, but uh, definitely not when you turn it on and start running it. It's way too damn loud to be in the average household here. 
So we've seen that this has been a big thing. And so we've got the Creality K1, I believe. Um, uh, the What the hell? King Rune has a Bamboo clone coming out. Uh, we saw Sovel, to me, backtrack from the SV06 and the SV07, or SV06 to SV06 Plus to the SV07, which, while a clipper machine, is a bed slinger, but is also V-wheels rather than ball bearings. And I'll be curious to see how that works. But really, the big move here is input shaping. We look at the machines behind me. These are all Prusa Mark III S's. And uh, <clears throat> they're not bad machines. They're just really slow. And, you know, compared to other machines, they're not... Uh, if you're looking at speed for value, it's not there for the Mark III S. Nor is it there for the Mark IV yet. Nor is it there for any of the Prusa products, really. I mean, the SL1S is technically reasonably fast, but... Some of these other printers coming out of uh, China that are resin-based are doing a pretty good job, too. So, looking at the industry, and we're going to focus mostly on FDM, because I think that's kind of the bulk of what our audience is. Um, I would like to really look at this trend. So, we saw this. This is this is the repetition of history, Right. When the Mark III S came out, a couple of months later, the, uh, well, the Mark III came out. A couple of months later, we had the Wan Hao I3. Then Creality came around, started with the Ender 3 dirt cheap, right? So let's kind of look at when Creality came into the game. And we saw that as soon as Creality produced a clone, everybody started jumping on this bandwagon. Companies that we've never heard of, like King Rune was not a 3D printer company, in 2015 i don't even know if they existed that long ago and um they certainly weren't producing hardware they might have been doing uh you know some accessories and all that but they weren't producing their own hardware-based machines and what happens is that now we've got all these different competitors in the same space that were previously just kind of working on this idea of if we're cheapest we're going to win and God, I hate that mantra. Like, so much. I hate that mantra. We've talked about it on this channel before, that being cheap doesn't make you good. In fact, oftentimes, being cheap makes you worse, in my opinion. Now, the end consumer, right, they really only kind of care a ton about price and not a ton about anything else. And I really don't like that. What we are seeing, though, is that everybody is picking up the bandwagon of input shaping. And, I mean, even the Mark IV is slated to be having input shaping. And I, I, I believe there's a beta out there with it, uh, but I know it is internally tested. I have personally seen input shaping on the Mark IV, and it's pretty darn good. What I believe the Bamboo has missed, and some of their now competitors are hitting is the sound. The sound to me is such a big deal. Such a big deal. Because if you want to run a farm of printers, or you want to have a couple even, in an apartment, a small house, God forbid a bedroom, you've got a real problem if they're as loud as these bamboos. Now, if it's as loud as a Mark III, no problems. If it's as loud as an Ender, no problems. If it's as loud as an SV06, no problems. 
Hell, if it's as loud as a Mark IV, you might not even know it's running. <laughs> At the Rocky Mountain Rep Rap Fest, we tried to get audio out. And, um, yeah, we couldn't. The Mark IV was so quiet that the noise floor in the room overran <laughs> the noise of the printer, uh, which is just crazy to me, absolutely crazy to me, that a machine can be that quiet and be that fast. That, to me, is where I will see companies moving because they recognize that one of the big downsides of the bamboo right now is actually its noise. It is way too loud to be inside of a house. I, I Did I say Prusha three times? Because it looks like the man, the myth, the maker, the legend himself, Joe Prusha, is in here telling us that uh, it might be out as soon as this coming week. So I'm going to go with Friday uh, for when the latest... Uh, input shaping firmware for the Mark IV is coming out, and that is, uh, that's pretty cool. So, hey, Joe, we gotta get you on this podcast at some point, by the way. We should, I'm gonna DM you about that. We should talk. Because I would love to, uh, really dig a little bit deeper into this Mark IV and the changes that were made and why they were made. I think it'd be a really cool thing to talk about. And also kind of talk about the business of building an open source printer and building a company that is nearly employing a thousand people and paying them legitimately decent wages. That That is a good thing that I would love to talk about on this channel. I'll DM you when we're done here. I would say that the sound is really one of the big things that we're going to play on. And Mandic really attempted to adjust this on his bamboo by coating the entire insides like dynamat with zero luck. Absolutely zero luck. I think he saw like a half a dB decrease, which is not enough to make all of that effort worth it. And uh, probably made any servicing he needs to do in that printer even more complicated than it is. We saw that people stopped caring so much about price and said, I want performance. And I believe that they're going to start to push toward wanting price again, because if we can get a P1P size machines, like, you know, the Bamboo Lab P1P that maybe doesn't have all of the features, but is half the price Consumers might say, well, that's kind of worth it to me. I don't necessarily need all of those features. And we can see that with the K1 and the K1 Max. Is that the bigger? I think that's what they call it. Where Bamboo says we have an affordable option that gets you under P1P or close to P1P prices, but doesn't actually become a problem. That, to me, is really, really smart. Because they're giving you an enclosure. They're they're giving you the things the P1P misses. Where Bamboo Lab says, ah, just make it yourself, scrub. We don't care. We get Creality saying, actually, we know you care. Because a lot of you are making it. Let's find a way to just eke out a little bit you know, of money here and there. And they mainly did that by making the machine smaller. It, it is a relatively small machine when you compare it to the P1P. However, if for some reason you are looking at going into, you know, an environment at home, right? And 
let's let's ignore the you know grants of the world my buddy aaron who lives locally he's got printers all over his house let's ignore those and say this is like a first or second printer that you're looking at your spousal approval factor needs to be a lot higher than it currently is i need to adjust something i need to just adjust something okay better now that spousal approval factor is like uh so important because if you can't get it you're not going to be able to maintain this idea that no your hobby is fine it starts becoming that your hobby becomes a problem and uh nope nobody wants that nobody wants their hobbies to become a problem and making sure that your significant other is okay with it or a future significant other might be okay with it is a harder ask than you might think because what a lot of people don't know about printers is that they're kind of dirty. They make a relatively big mess at the end of the day with like little bits of plastic that ends up all over the place. And they take up a fair bit of space when you have a decent collection of filament. There's 96 spools behind me in those carts. And that is less than a third of our total inventory of plastic. There's a lot here. It's because I don't have a local micro center. If I had a local micro center, I, I would just go buy from them uh, and use them as my inventory because that's a, that's a smarter move. Just straight up smarter move. <laughs> Dino says, if I'm not wrong, bamboo doesn't use steppers and drivers, but servos. Am I right? May affect that Vorons at the same speed are way less noisy. Uh, servos should be way quieter than steppers, and they are absolutely steppers. Uh, and they don't even have like rotary encoders. So you can do this whole kind of, uh, you know, ghetto servo by doing a, a stepper motor with a rotary encoder or some sort of Hall effect sensor to detect motion and position. And that's how you can get this stepper motor that knows where it's positioned. A servo is much more accurate, much more quiet, and uh, depending on the frequencies that you run it at, can be dead near silent and push way faster. Pantheon Designs would be who I would look at if you're looking for a machine that runs on servos, unless Purusha's gonna, you know, rock the world with something crazy. Um, Broski Snowski says, you're not supposed to run a print farm at home. That's your opinion. <laughs> but on the bamboo, the noise comes from the fact that you're not running bearings on the x-axis. So it's a lot of the x-axis noise, the actual friction that we hear. It is also the fans. It's why we cap our chamber fan at 70%. It will not run faster than that via G-code, um, as well as the auxiliary part fan. Because when you run speeds that fast, you have to do extra cooling or you're, you really can't run that fast. Now, some users for Bamboo and, of course, other machines are going to find that if you run your perimeters at, let's go with regular speeds, like 150 millimeters a second, you get much better quality parts. And then you can run your infill at like 300. You're still going to save a bunch of time. Right. And Mark IV users are going to see this too when they get input shaving. And I'll be really curious. I wish I had a Mark IV. We we don't have one. Um just it's not, it's not, unfortunately, it's not financially in my budget. It was get a Mark IV or go to Remurf. And I I I sorry, I, I chose Remurf. Um 
so I, I wanted to, you know, do the content at the show and meet people and all that. Um, so sorry, sorry. Uh, <laughs> but it's the way it goes sometimes, right? It's business decisions at the end of the day. And uh, when looking at the Mark IV, I would love to see someone that either has two or does a video pre-firmware and then post-firmware with the same part. But now with input shaping enabled, that would be a really, really cool video. So if you are a content creator that owns a Mark IV, please add that to your list for when that firmware gets released. Because I think uh, that would be a really cool video to see because it directly shows you the impact of input shaping. Because I believe that input shaping will be the future of this industry. And we are going to see less and less and less printers come out of manufacturers without some ability to either add input shaping or have it there from the beginning. So something to think about. Um, I saw something. Where did I see it? Oh, Jonas E asked, uh, the bamboo doesn't use bearings on the X-axis. No, it doesn't. They are uh, graphite and brass bronze, I believe, bushings. It is a bushing system. And that bushing system is uh, not great. And it will actually wear down. We had users complaining about it. We actually you know, included it in uh, the previous Print Fix Friday, talked all about it. And uh, we... We would love to dive more into it, but we can't. Again, this is where open source reigns king. If I want to do a video on an upgrade for a Prusa, whether that is the belt tensioners that we use on the Y-axis or something else, we can totally do it. And it's not going to void any warranties. And in fact... These kind of things are where Prusa tends to look at how they can improve their future products. It's like crowdsourcing replacements. It's kind of cool for how that works. And uh, we end up with a situation where the community at as a whole wins. That win is such a big deal. Because what we want to do is enable an atmosphere where people feel comfortable modding their machines. Creality has committed to making the K1 open source, and uh, that was an out-of-left-field move, an absolutely out-of-left-field move that I did not see coming from even, even up close. I did not see that. I figured Creality was going to go the same route, but I have to tip my hat to them because it will force other companies to do it if they want to still compete on price. Creality says, yeah, no, honestly, we think it's stupid too. Let's just open source this. Uh, oh, John Olson for the $10 is for the Mark IV kit fund live stream the build. That would be the goal. Uh, as much as I wanted to get a Mark IV on launch day, I said, nope, I really want to do a kit, not just so we can, uh, you know, do a live stream of the build, but I love building Prusas. I have built so many of them. Uh, I have nine and I've built eight of those kits and then we bought one used, uh, but I have built close to two dozen Mark three kits. Yeah. Probably close to two dozen Mark three kits for people. And, uh, it, it, it's an odd one, right? When you look at, uh, Creality saying that, wait, we're going to open source this, but 
as Mike from Never Let the Machines Win says, didn't think that Creality under actually understood what open source really means. They don't, and it's going to be some, you know, BS thing of what Creality thinks open source should be. But I will tell you it's better than the basically zero open source of Bamboo. What we should remember and what we should continually remember with Bamboo is that they are only open source because of people like Joe Perusha, people like Adam Hiley, people like the developers of Cura and Perusha Slicer and the community as a whole calling them out for using Perusha Slicer and not releasing their code. We should note that they only put the X-axis up available in their store for $90, which I will say is not a bad price. It is a lot of labor to do it, but it is not a bad price. And they only did that once people started complaining that they couldn't do what they wanted to do with their machines. They couldn't upgrade them. They couldn't change them. And Bamboo has put a pretty hard stance on their warranty stuff. We talked about this all Predvix Friday. I am not going to get into it today. But I do think that it is important for us to discuss the future. Because seeing how the industry has adjusted these past now five and a half months, my trajectory of where I thought we were going to go as a 3D printing industry is quite a bit shifted. And I'll be curious if yours is too. When we look at my prediction, my prediction, I believe, was something along the lines of that people are going to start caring more about the features rather than the price. And uh, it's kind of right, but we'll see because companies want consumers to pay less because I don't know, for some reason in this industry, all these Chinese companies think is that if they're the cheapest, they will naturally win. I don't know why. They, they just do. And it's a little dumb. Honestly, it is. And what they're realizing is there's a lot of opportunity for us to cut 50, 60, 70, 80, 100 dollars off of the purchase price. And consumers will ignore some of the downsides that we might have, be it a smaller build volume, a you know, less than ideal uh, filament routing. Uh, or something like that. Because, yeah, consumers are kind of willing to look the other way on certain things to save a couple of bucks. And I uh, I don't like it. I, I, I don't like it. I do wish that the industry as a whole would look at value over price because being affordable does not always mean cheap in fact often i believe that affordable and cheap are mutually exclusive affordable means it is a good value cheap just means it's not expensive and there is a fine line here and i'll be curious to see where we look at this line of demarcation, where companies will say, all right, look, we can only give you so much here and uh, that's it, right? You're, you can't get any more for this money and they have to choose to raise their prices. We look at Sovol and I think Sovol's kind of the 
this the the example now i believe that instead of looking at a bamboo clone sovel said we're going to make an anchor make m5 clone because that's what the svzr7 is for those who don't know the anchor make m5 is a bed slinger with v wheels that has input shaving it's the best way to describe it and Sovol said, well, we're going to go after that because nobody else is. And for those of us that have the SV06 and the SV06+, Plus, it kind of feels like a slap in the face. But those that were looking at the Anchor Make will look at the SV07 and say, wait a minute, this is a better value for me. Because, well, it's the same basic idea of a printer for, what, half the price? Except you're giving up a few things. You're giving up the camera, the AI monitoring that uh, Anchor comes with. Now, I don't know if that even works. I refuse to put printers on my network at this point. After the entire hullabaloo with Bamboo and our continued desire to crack the log files. If any of you out there have the skills to crack the log files from a Bamboo Lab X1 Carbon... I don't have a lot of money to give, but I have $500 of my personal money as a bug bounty to attempt to crack these log files. I am not updating my software. I am not updating my firmware until we can crack those logs. Because if I do update and now we can't crack it anymore, it means that Bamboo is deliberately keeping people out. And there is a huge reason that they would want to do that, and a huge reason that I want to stop them from doing that. So if you have the skills, please reach out to me, DM me on Twitter, and uh, we can go from there, because I want to know what is being sent. Anybody from Prusa will tell you that there is no valid reason that a log file from a brand new factory reset machine with one file on it should be 167 megabytes. There is no reason that it should be that large. And there is no reason that a log file should go up more than the amount of G-code that you put on the printer, right? If I put G-code on a printer... And it sends a log file. I expect that log file to be smaller than the G-code file that I put on the printer. That is not the case. And so what we have done is we have sandboxed our bamboo. I need to put Wireshark on the network. I haven't bothered to do it just yet. Because honestly, it's not really my world. And, and sniff these packets and see what's being sent. But currently the machine is unable to communicate with the outside world. And that is the way that it's being left. And it knows that it can't. It says, uh, you know, unable to connect to the internet. Cool. I don't care. But I am going to leave it outside of LAN-only mode because I believe the log files change when you put it into LAN-only. So I'll be very curious to see the differences there. So if you have the skills, please let me know. I know it's not a lot of money, but I don't make income from the YouTube channel or 3D Musketeers at this time. So it's just my personal money going toward a problem that I think really affects the industry as a whole. So if you know anyone that has the skills, please send it to them because uh, I, I would really like to know more about it. When we look at these two kind of schools of thought, right? These bed slingers with input shaping and core XY with input shaping. We know that bed slingers with input shaping are more affordable to manufacture than Core XY with input shaping. We know this. We know this because you can buy off-the-shelf, dirt-cheap, you know, sub-$500 
um, uh, Cartesian machines and put input shaping on them. Whether that it involves a motherboard upgrade or not, put a $40 motherboard into it, and all of a sudden you've got a machine that can viably run input shaping. But we've seen people do it on Enders. Like a $200 Ender 3, put input shaping on it, and wipe the floor with most other brands for print speed. Now, print quality ain't ever going to get that out of an Ender. They're just not designed for it. But print speed, yeah, massive opportunity there. And it means that I think we're going to see a regression. Companies are attempting to copy Bamboo. The ones that do make good sales are going to continue to copy them. The ones that don't will see those printers fall to the wayside as they look for a different option. And I believe that is going to be the Core XY input shapers. Or sorry, the Cartesian input shapers. Because they these companies already have proven platforms with Cartesian, right? Now, we haven't seen a lot of input shaping deltas. The FL Sun V400, I think, is one of the only ones out there that is a cart is a delta with input shaping. So an interesting style, mind you. But I think it's because a lot of the a lot of people that use 3D printers don't have a distinct need for something that is a um, you know, a delta, right? Unless you're doing tall cylindrical parts, deltas are kind of a waste of space, right? We could not put a delta on the rack behind me unless we laid it down, which would be uh, funny. So, you know, something to think about. Um, 3D Pine Lab says, to me, a printer that just prints... With no shenanigans, grab STL, slice, a copy to storage, and print. It's important. They've achieved that with their Lurge 9. Is that a 9 or an 11? I'm pretty sure that's a 9. And the SV06. <coughs> running stock Marlin. and uh, Both stock and running Marlin. I get that. Why do you think that we run 9 Mark 3Ss? We don't do that because they're you know, hard to maintain and unreliable and have a bad platform. No, we do that because they're easy to maintain. They're incredibly reliable. They eat basically everything that I throw at it. And with a hardened nozzle or our case, a diamond nozzle on them, you can feed whatever you want through it, including materials that I'm the only person in the world to have access to right now, right? I signed a contract to get this material in. And it was specifically made just for me. It's kind of cool. I'm excited for it. I don't know if we'll be able to talk about it. But suffice to say. It's kind of cool. But there is opportunity out there. And I think we're going to see a lot of these companies. Move toward the anchor make. Or anchor make style clones. Where it is a core XY. God I keep getting these two confused. Where it is a Cartesian with Clipper input shaping or or actually running Clipper. And I see some good value there. I believe that the industry will take hold of this. And I know what it's going to take. As soon as there is a public, signed, ready-to-go firmware that is not in beta for the Mark IV, that makes the Mark IV as quiet as it is, that can now run input shaping or purchase implementation 
of input shaping. It is custom from what Purusha tells us. It is 100% custom. It, while it is based off of Clipper, they are doing something custom that fits more into their ecosystem. Of course, all of which is open source. Gotta love it. We are really moving toward the system where Cartesian input shapers are going to be more popular. And I think they're going to be more popular than the Core XY because price point. Brian Blankenship says, hey, Grant, I'm a networking guy turned 3D print farmer. I'd be happy to help with Wireshark. Yeah, hit me up. We can talk. Uh, email. If you want log files, you can either DM me on Twitter or email me, YouTube at 3dmusketeers.com. Sorry, I hit the mic there. YouTube at 3dmusketeers.com. That goes into my inbox, so I will take a look. Eskimo says, I only run a Mark S, or they only run Mark S's, and Prusha is dear to their heart. But they think it's time to bury the i3 design and get Core XY machines as good and as cheap as possible. I disagree. I disagree. So, I believe that Cartesian, while having some major flaws, right? The whole moving bed and dealing with materials warping is a bit of a flaw on the Cartesian side. They are considerably easier to service, like miles and miles easier to service than their Core XY counterparts. Even our big D-Bot, I, I, when I, I talk about it, I look over at it. You guys have never seen it on camera, um, but it's it, it's big, like it's a meter tall. It is a bear to service that machine, to work on it, to upgrade it, to replace any parts, where Cartesian is just so simple. And when you look at companies that also now need to support their products, and I'm not talking about the Crealities or even the Sovels, where Sovel is more inclined to send you parts than they are to give you help. Prusha is the opposite. They want to help you work your way through it rather than just give you the parts and tell you to deal with it on your own. This is the teach a person to fish rather than give them the fish. You might need to give them some fish to survive, but at the same time, you want to teach them to fish for themselves. And that is the value that you get with a company like Prusha. I know they're expensive. But that's what it takes to pay people actual wages. I know. We've talked about it before so many times here that you are too cheap, that your prices are too cheap, and if you feel like you're working your ass off for no money, double your prices. Just double your prices. And if you lose half of your business, you're making the same amount of money. Now, while I don't believe that Prusha is nickel and diming everybody, they understand that they are providing a premium product with super premium support, and there is a cost that comes along with that. And if consumers don't want to pay it, then they'll go to somebody else. That's the beauty of an open market. Go buy from somebody else. I believe there is value to it, and it's why I will continue to buy Prusha printers. But even I have my limit. When we were looking at adding resin to our shop, we uh, we had the choice, right? Seven OG Elgu Marses or a singular SL1. This was back before, you know, the SL1S was available. 
And I made the call that I wanted seven printers instead of one because I wanted a printer for every one of our materials. I don't regret that decision, but I'll tell you, getting help from Elegoo is like pulling teeth. But at $200, when the printers have problems, they're disposable. I provide the replacement screen as well as the broken printer with a new FEP sheet and a clean tank and a clean build plate to our local makerspace and say, you guys know what you need to do. You need to take care of it and uh, it's yours. You can get the printer for free. And they love it. They love that part. Um, Mike says, I keep buying proof printers because I like orange. Grin. I do too. And uh, one of our staff graduated yesterday from high school, Brad. And uh, he was repping the orange tie. I said, there you go, buddy. Team orange all the way. He said, you know we had to do it. So uh, congratulations, Brad. It was, it was cool spending a bunch of time with you yesterday. And uh, I just uploaded 556 photos. <laughs> Brad reminded me at the last minute that he had to go in to get pictures. I'm like, oh, right. I forget sometimes that I have like a camera bag with thousands of dollars of camera equipment in it. So I brought our nicest Sony, D uh, our nicest now Sony uh, A6500 with a big damn lens on it to take so many photos while we were there. Uh, so it, it, it was pretty cool. It's pretty cool. <laughs> or just the new black 3D Pine Lab says, good show too. Good show. And uh, I do believe that we are moving toward what will be more affordable input shaping Cartesian printers. But will we see more bamboo clones? Yes, we will. And I believe we're going to start seeing them in the next three months. We are starting to see some bamboo users deal with a lot of problems, right? We had the guy that needed to replace his x-axis. Now, we find out, and this is something that I did not know when we recorded PrintFix Friday, that he lubricated his carbon fiber rods. Don't do that. They're not designed to be lubricated, and that is what caused premature wear. But even if you are a moron and do something stupid, you should be able to fix it yourself. It became a right-to-repair problem. He recognized that he made the mistake. In fact, I believe in that post they did talk about making the mistake, but I stupidly missed over it. It happens. In that particular case, they should still be allowed to do it your ability to repair your own thing that you own should not be limited to what a company feels like you should be able to do that's wrong and i still believe that bamboo has some room to grow i believe we will see more companies come out with machines with better repairability and a better ecosystem for that repairability whether they choose to use off-the-shelf components that are easily replaceable or they allow you to 3D print replacement parts. The bearings at the ends of the x-axis where you need to uh, wrap the belts around. If one of those fails, it is a pin that is pressed into a blind hole. Unless you have a very specific tool for removing a pin from a blind hole, there is no way for you to do it and not damage your bamboo. And that's where you might say, well, then I'll just buy a new x-axis. Well, why wouldn't you just reprint the part? That's the value of a printed part. Now, people look down upon printed part printers. 
Prusa does it because that is their system. They could go into injection molding, but they've built a brand over this system. And I'm cool with it. Totally cool with it. Because if something does break, I can just reprint it. And in fact, we keep an entire set of printed replacement parts for a Prusa in stock. Because I don't want to mess around with it. Because remember, if your printer breaks apart, you replace it, then the first thing you do is print the new part. Print the replacement. Right? Worst Peter asks if the pin is magnetic. It likely is magnetic. However, they uh they they did the uh oh the staking on it. So it's uh it's like a nail with the ribs on it, so it doesn't come out. Like it it's not designed to come out. Uh, getting it out would cause significant damage to the machine itself. Um, yeah, uh, Chris Travis says, just replaced my first failed part in my Mark 3S that is over four years old, and it was a bed thermistor, which is really the only part that I ever have to replace on Prusa's. It's outside of printer socks, which Prusa still disagrees with me on that. I don't care. I will gladly disagree with Prusa and put socks on every one of my Mark 3S's. Um, the bed thermistor is the thing that goes and it is so easy, so easy to replace it. Uh, you know, it takes like five minutes maybe. Uh, and I've done it to a point where like I, I can quickly pump them out, but that's also the value of having multiple machines. If one of ours goes in a thermal runaway, I just cut the filament off with a little tail sticking out of the extruder, move the filament to a new machine, move the SD card, click print and walk away. John also says, I bought the Prusa MK3S spares kit that is collecting dust. And I have a ton of spare parts, too, that collect dust. I have a few still official Prusa bed thermistors, but at this point, I actually bought the connectors and then bought glass bead thermistors and will make my own. That is the value of open source, because I can just go to the Prusa BOM, find the connector that they use, go to uh, DigiKey or Mauser and buy a bag of 100 and never need to ever buy more again. Um, again, the value of open source means that I can fix the things the way that I want, how I want, when I want, because I want to. Huge value for open source. And uh, Mike says, and when the part redesign will make things better. You can print that new design yourself. No cost, no shipping, no import fees, and most importantly, no waiting. There is a lot of waiting involved when you have to order parts from another company. Even if you can get it in four days, three to four days, hell, buy it from Amazon, two days shipping. That is still two days of productivity that you are about to lose. So if you are running a farm of bamboos, you better have at least one x-axis in inventory at all times rather than just new bushings because oh yeah the carbon fiber rods are glued into the end caps and are non-user serviceable without causing significant irreparable damage to either the carbon fiber or the plastic parts it is not possible and that is what anti-right to repair looks like oh joe says he has to run have a great weekend take care joseph we'll talk soon it's great having you here we gotta have you on as a future guest
Enjoy your weekend, sir. And very late night. Enjoy. And Ben Cox, I'm still waiting for my Prusa orange socks made from bamboo. <laughs> I'm telling you. I'm telling you, that's what it should be. It should be... It, that should be their next April Fool's. That's a little, it might be a little late then. I do want Prusa socks, and I want them made out of bamboo. Because I'm just a real petty son of a gun. And I it's that's the level of petty that I can get down with. I can get down with it. Um, then you all might get feet picks. <laughs> Kenneth Zhang says, listening on Bluetooth can't type. How about the new Race to the Bottom V2, the battle for the Core XY and Crap Clipper? Um, yeah, we will certainly see a Race to the Bottom on affordable clipperized machines. This is clear. We know this is going to be a thing. And uh, it is a matter of time before it starts to happen. Now, will I be looking at it? Yeah. I have been keeping an eye on Sovol. As a lot of you know, we have a SV06 and SV06 Plus, which are, I some would argue loosely, I would argue, are about as close to a clone of a Mark III S as you can get without, you know, going absolute full uh, clone. So, yeah, uh, just saying, it's pretty good. And... Sovol just didn't even try to hide it, right? They're like, yeah, no, it's pretty much cloned. Here you go. It's 300 bucks. Enjoy. And by God, they're damn good machines for the money. However, uh, they suck to work on. And in fact, you're going to see that we are going to put like 80 bucks worth of parts into our um, SV06 Plus to make it repairable. They're not Kano is terrible, the thermistors are all in blind holes, which means if you break your wires, you got to use a left-handed drill bit to get it out. and It's terrible. We just convert your machines over to Volcano Blocks. It will be an upcoming video. It'll be a live stream that we then also make into a video, so stay tuned. It is coming. I needed to get through Brad's graduation. Now I should have Saturdays a little bit more available, and we'll be looking to do some more streaming. But I am looking at streaming during the week, so let me know. Tweet, uh, either DM me or tweet at me with times during the week that might work. Because I am trying to find uh, good times during the week that might work for us. Uh, Jeremy's asking if I'm going to make it to Murph. No. Uh, we did not get a sponsor for Murph. Uh, and the Rocky Mountain Rep Rap Fest, unfortunately, was probably the last show that we will be going to if we are not able to obtain a sponsor. The cost of going to a show like that is so expensive, and it is, it, it, it's a massive loss for me and my company, and we have to work months to make up those expenses. I think Rocky Mountain Rep Rap Fest allotted to, and this is minus the vacation, because uh, I, I did take a few days uh, with the better three quarters in uh, Colorado, but... It, it, it amounted to almost $2,000 of expenses. And uh, that is a lot. That is a lot of money out of my pocket to just spend the entire time filming videos and give it away for free. So 
if you do know a company that is looking to sponsor content creators and likes my no bullshit approach to content and likes the long format videos that we do. By the way, we're not going to be doing hour and a half long videos uh, anymore for the these rep rap festivals. We will limit them to 30 minutes. Uh, we'll just be releasing more of them. That way you don't have to, you know, try to eke out all that time during your day. So I get it. Uh, but if you do know companies that are interested in sponsoring content creators with, uh, we just hit one third of 100,000 subscribers, 33,333 subscribers. Um, that is something that we would like to entertain. We are looking for more channel sponsors to try to make this thing a uh, source of revenue rather than a loss leader. Uh, I am trying to book Joel Telling for an upcoming uh, episode with David Tobin, producer David, where we will be talking about the business of content creation and what that looks like to not only, you know, be a content creator that is making money from the platform, but also have a staff with their multiple editors, as well as producer David. Future episode coming soon, TM. TJ187 says, just, just picked up an X1 Carbon. What what a difference from the Solid Doodle printer I bought 11 years ago. Boy, Solid Doodle. Uh, for those that know, there is a Solid Doodle in, in, uh, on our uh, standing set. There is one out there. So if you, uh, if you keep an eye out, you'll see it. It's Solid Doodle Press. It was the printer that killed Solid Doodle. And it was my first commercially bought 3D printer that wasn't above a couple thousand dollars. Dominic asks if a Southeast Rep Rep Festival is in the works. Um, we have identified a location, but that's as far as we've gotten. And no, it will not be in Florida because Florida is just not safe uh, unless you're, you know, white and straight. Then it's probably, oh, uh, sorry, white, straight, and male. Uh, Florida's not safe unless you fit all of those things. And, uh, yeah, I want out of the state real bad. The politics here are terrible. Anyways, moving away from that. Uh, but we have identified a location, but we are we are all a little worried that uh, any more rep rap festivals um, than the few that we already have starts to dilute the value that the festivals have. And it becomes more of a meet and greet for online friends then it is a place to display your projects and that kind of thing ronald dh asks, asks how come you don't make money from your channel with 33.3 thousand subscribers and awesome content well that's because of ad revenue uh we between all of our platforms we pull in under a thousand dollars a month uh from the channel and we spend close to two thousand on editing because we are producing a lot of content. And while I am looking to uh, lessen the amount of short-form content that we produce, because it's just not converting the way that it used to, uh, our editing bill is still going to be higher than what it costs us to, or what we make from these videos. It's just the way that it is. It's business. Um, Kem Nerd says, uh, come to Ohio, we have Micro Center. Apparently, they're opening one in Miami, which I'm excited for. Um, Zura says one in the South in January would be nice for us Northerners, especially if flights aren't too expensive. 
I think we're we're really looking at uh, like the Atlanta area because it's a good, easy to access airport. They've got good public transit. It's a relatively safe area. Um, yeah, Atlanta looks like it could be the location, but I'm not putting a ton of effort into it at this moment. So, yeah. But yeah, we would we'd be looking to do it. You know, like in. Uh, December or January, February. <laughs> so, uh, you know, so you, so all you Northerners can get out of your, your frozen shitholes and come down to, uh, uh, to a little bit of the warmer South, although it could actually still be snowing in Atlanta <laughs> anyways. And yes, Atlanta has a micro center. I have been to both of them. In fact, we have rented a car to drive to Atlanta this was eight years ago when my brother built his 5820K uh, rig, his Intel rig, at, with a Fury X and DDR4. He went DDR4. And we were able to save enough money by driving to Micro Center that the time, the rental car, and the gas still did not equal more than the money that we saved by making that road trip. So, yeah. Anyways. So, what about Voron? Right? Vorons have been around forever. Um, we've got Rat Rig and some of the others as well that exist that are these, you know, all you can stress kit builds, right? Um, and yes, and yes, Voron is coming soon. Voron is coming soon. We have a Trident 300. It is sitting in the entryway to my house because I haven't put it anywhere else yet. But uh, we, we have one. It is a red frame. Uh, its accents will be the Polymaker Galaxy Blue, Galaxy Gray, Galaxy Orange, just to piss people off. And uh, I got one spool of the Galaxy Red as well. So um, I wanted to do a blue frame, but with Joel and a couple of other content creators doing blue frames, I said, you know, I want to do something a little bit different. So I went with red because red's the fastest color. And if we're going to push our Voron as fast as it can go, it has to be red. Because otherwise, it won't be the fastest color. And if if you say, well, Grant, how is red the fastest color? Well, Ferrari wouldn't paint them red if they weren't. That and that, that's, that's enough. <laughs> uh, John Wilson, uh, Josh Wilson says, I'm still running a 5930K on my desktop system. That was a great line of CPUs. It was. Uh, I have 4770K sitting on the Raspberry Pi behind me. That used to be my old rig. I'm now running a 10700K. Uh, Diado says, Grant, you need a stiff table. That Trident is going to shake. Well, then maybe we need a Bluetooth sponsorship so I can throw... <laughs> so I can never... Don't look that up if you don't know what that is. <laughs> um, yeah, well, all of our printers go on racks like this, so I'm not too worried about it. And we will be looking at systems to reduce that level of shake. Stay tuned. Because um, that is something that I would like to deal with it. Uh, Mike says, the trip to my local... Micro Center would involve at least seven hours drive equally plus two international border crossings. Yeah, that's the problem with living in the Great White North. With one being in Miami, it is now only a seven-hour round trip. I know exactly where it is. It is in the old Tiger Direct store, and it is about uh, eight to ten miles from Fabrico. So, yeah, that's going to be a whole thing. So, uh, don't worry. That is coming. But, yeah, what about Voron? Voron has been Core XY basically from the beginning. They've been dummy fast printers that are very expensive, especially for an all-you-can-stress 
kit build. And I say that because everybody tells me, Grant, it's going to be a rough build. And I swear, <laughs> I am so worried that we're going to build this thing live. People are going to deliberately give us bad advice on it, by the way. So please don't do that. If I am building a Voron live and you want to give advice, please make sure you know what you're talking about because I'm probably going to listen to it and it might send me down a rabbit hole. And I really don't want to do that. I am immensely terrified of building a Voron live on the channel. I am truly terrified of doing it because there's so much extra pressure when you have to do something like this live. Uh, I'm going to do it, but I'm not going to like it. <laughs> uh, that's the way it goes sometimes. Anyways. And yes, we will do one Idiot's Journey through Clipper. That is likely going to be on the Flying Bear Reborn 2. That is an upcoming live stream, so stay tuned for that as well. Uh, Sun Turtle Camp says, get Nero 3D to help. Uh, <laughs> I don't think Nero's giving me his phone number just because he knows I will bother him. But I already told him, I said, you are uh, you are going to be the person that I bother. He's like, that, that's fine. That's fine. But yeah, um... Vorons, right? They've existed for years. And no one has really cared about it from a commercial standpoint. So why is that? Like, why have we not seen more clones of the Vorons? Like, the comment earlier about Bamboo being a commercialized Voron is, like, perfect. It's, it's basically exactly what it is. So why haven't we seen more companies cloning a Voron. We have these Trudons that are out there that are basically pre-assembled Voron kits um, that seem to be decent. I I, 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 I don't know. I, I don't know. But we're, I'm really wondering, like, why haven't we seen it? And I think a lot of it is there's a lot of R&D in this space that is needed to take a Voron and make it commercially viable because if you are going to make a printer try to make it cheap and sell it on a mass production scale you can't 3d print it you just can't do it because a lot of these companies don't have print farms like prusa prusa built up a print farm and they started it this way likely because their volume didn't make sense for injection molding and they said well we've already built a print farm it's easier to build a print farm than it is to go down the path of buying injection molds. It's expensive. It's really expensive. So companies that want to get involved in building these more affordable Core XY printers, they have to put hundreds of thousands of dollars into tooling. And I don't care if you're based in mainland China and have access to Chinese labor prices. There is no less then three dozen separate injection molded parts inside of the bamboo. And every one of those needs its own special mold that comes at a significant expense. Like a significant expense. And while, yeah, they can probably get a mold that will cost 30 grand in the States for two grand over there, two grand times two dozen or even three dozen, you're looking at close to a hundred grand already. And that doesn't include things like minimum amount of shots that you need. And that is uh, how many pieces that mold needs to make before it becomes viable to make a run of it. And it doesn't include storage of all of those parts too. There's a lot of logistics involved in injection molding beyond just putting it in the machine and just letting the machine do its job. 
that is something that is missed often by people that don't necessarily understand what it takes to build a company that is vertically integrating appropriately. It is way more complicated than you think. And I think that's what stopped it. But I don't know why all of a sudden companies are just saying, well, now's the time. Maybe it's because one company figured out a formula that works and now others can copy it, but they didn't want to be the first to market because there's something called the first mover advantage, but it is also a disadvantage. Let's talk about that a little bit. First mover means that it is a blue ocean. There are no other competitors in it, and you basically get to set the table. Bamboo set the table, I think, a little too cheap. I I do believe the X1 Carbon is much closer to a $2,000 printer than it currently is priced. Um, you know, If you include the AMS, I'm looking closer to $2,500. And that doesn't mean that Bamboo should raise their prices. I'm just confused as to why they didn't. I believe that they're not making any profit, let alone even some. That machine has so much expense involved into it. And with how everything is glued together, that is a non-trivial amount of labor that went into making that machine possible. And I think we're seeing that come out of other companies like Creality. There is a video of the K1 out there that... Someone got, and it looks like absolute crap. Things are broken, and it looks like it was used. It, and, and I don't know much about the video. I saw the video, and that was as far as I went with it. But that could be a sign of weak molds, cheap parts, something like that. And while Bamboo likely did it for disruption, the way that uh, Mike is saying, Elegoo did this too. But Elegoo has found a way to make money on cheap parts. I don't know with all the tech inside of the X1 Carbon that there is any money to be made. Especially when they've had to put a lot of effort into these encryption algorithms that I would still like to be able to crack. Supercare says, yet yeah, you got two lemons. I don't know if my second machine is a lemon. Um, I say that, and yet I have a handful of parts here that, um, here, here are the parts. I have a handful of parts here where, uh, half of them like this one, this part right here. Missing a couple of layers. So it just breaks apart. Why? I don't know. I have no clue why. But, let's see if it focuses. It looks like absolute crap. Focus, please. 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 Hey. Focus. Fo okay, fine. It's not going to focus. We tried. Effort was made. <laughs> um, I don't know what it takes. But I am concerned that... In the race to the bottom, we're going to start having other problems. I believe that my issues are mostly from the AMS, but a machine that can only load filament from the back is a machine that I won't buy. Because, uh, yeah, I don't have access to the back of my machines. My, my 
shelves are all on walls, like most people's shelving are. They're just on walls. Why? Because it's easier. We don't want shelves in the middle of our offices. We have shit to do. But, yeah, I, I don't know, man. There is a huge issue where we deal with walled gardens that I hope that some of these other cheaper companies will understand does not need to be this way and are more proper in the way that they handle their business. Now, Bamboo has had some egg on their face. We saw that uh, with their Hydra AMS mod, with the video that Joel Telling did on it. And, you know, you guys want to hear my thoughts on it? Go see them on uh, Friday's video. And I don't know if that's ever going to change. The one thing that I will regard some of these other companies with is that while their, you know, service sucks, at least you hear back from them relatively quickly and they just kind of send you parts and tell you good luck. Sovol has started selling their extruder, their planetary gear drive extruder with a freaking motor, no hot end, for $30. Why is there a dirt? Who the hell is riding a dirt bike outside my house? I don't know why there was a dirt bike outside, but there was a dirt bike outside. <laughs> Probably someone riding a dirt bike in the neighborhood, I guess. I don't know, man. I don't ask a lot of questions. Living down a dirt road means you hear weird crap. John Olson says, I really don't understand why all these new Core XY printers are putting spools on the back. I mean, what the hell? Uh, it is a, a beauty thing. If you put them on the back, you don't see the spool. I, I, that's the only reason that I have that they would do that. So, yeah. Uh, I just... Um, yeah, I don't get it either. Uh, Thomas says, because Florida man. TJ187 says, I printed a Bowden splitter for the back of the X1 carbon and have a filament dryer on the side as the external spool. No need to be behind the machine again. I feel that. Um, I just think it shouldn't have to be a mod that you do to your machine. And Bamboo might even argue that you are violating the warranty of your extruder. So maybe don't talk publicly about that. Right? That's like the huge friggin' thing. When a company puts out a stance that mods that you make to your machine can and will void the warranty, they're, they're, they're just giving you the middle finger saying, yeah, if it doesn't work, sucks to be you, homie. And if you talk about it, you're going to void your warrant. It's just, it's just stupid. It's just stupid. Um, Spurlock says Bamboo acts like this is DJI. Yeah, they do. And guess what? People don't care. Consumers, I don't know why. We've gotten so complacent ever since the human malware, maybe a little bit before it, to these things that shouldn't be okay, but because they're not immediately disastrous to our lives, we don't care as much as we used to. And I don't know if it's because we're becoming complacent or that our rights are just being blatantly violated. And we know as individuals, we can't do anything about it. But if you noticed when a big group of people make a big stink about something, eventually something changes. Maybe that's what's needed. I don't know. Yeah, uh, but they'll send Joel free AMS replacements, but they won't for others. Yeah. Talked about it on Friday. Go go listen to my statements on Friday. Um, 
I, I thought those were well done. We cut out like 15 minutes of, of me kind of going into it all. Um, yeah. So Mike says all my printers tend to be in dark rooms, which, um, uh, what it looks like is way down the checklist for, for features. I agree that I do prefer placing spools beside or above the rep box or above my printer in a rep box on my machines. Yeah, I agree. Thomas gifted five memberships. John Olson got one, Sebastian Jackal, Justin Miller, Duff, and Jimmy Johansson all got memberships. Thank you for those memberships. Greatly appreciate it. Thank you, Thomas. Uh, seriously, that's, uh, that's cool. We don't often get people gifting memberships, so thank you for doing that. It's pretty cool. Um, <laughs> Spurlock says, to be fair, Grant, you done and pissed them off. Well, hey. Yeah. Dino says, mass adoption is on the verge. A lot of BS will cradle in our hobby. It's true. It is absolutely true. So let's talk about input shaping and why it matters, because... I think it was it Joel that described it this way. I think it was that input shaping is basically active noise canceling, but for stepper motors. And that's exactly what it is, right? The machine vibrates to measure resonance, and then it can add in anti-resonance vibrations into the stepper motor movements to cancel out the motions as they occur. It is really freaking cool and only requires an accelerometer and a processor capable of actively modifying g-code as the printer is functioning that is bloody freaking cool i love it i would love to know more about it to know like to really understand why the printers shake the way that they do if that motion is deliberate and if that's all that's really needed but it is really cool and to be clear my first experience with input shaping is with the bamboo. So I'm excited to see it on the Voron. I'm excited to put Clipper onto the Flying Bear because that will be the one idiot's journey through Clipper uh, printer build because it is a 325, I think, XYZ, uh, Core XY fully enclosed printer for sub $600. And if you add Clipper and input shaping to it, I don't know, might be decent. 3D Pine Labs, welcome to basic support. Thank you for your support. Greatly appreciated. Uh, and yeah, guys, like the stream if you haven't. Um, this has been awesome. Thank you all for uh, your gifted memberships, joining basic supports. Uh, if you join the Discord server, that one's a fun one. It's at the $10 tier or higher. Uh, we have a ton of fun in our Discord server. And in fact, uh, I think I'm still, I'm still, I'm not, I'm not too dead yet. So I will probably hop into the voice channel of our Discord when we are done with the podcast. Um, but input shaping is pretty much required if you want to run high speeds. The reason is you need to be able to counteract those vibrations or it's going to be a problem. Um, 24-7 printing. You can look them up on Twitter. They have some of the most ridiculous clipper builds with input shaping. They're pushing out over 100 cubic millimeters a second with their Voron. I mean, doing doing printing emotions at north of one meter per second. It is, it is, um, it is sincerely freaky how crazy you can get with input shaping where you are more limited on your hardware and what your processor in your printer can do 
versus what the software is capable of, right? You'll run into hot end limits. You'll run into stepper motors heating up so much they start to fail. You'll run into running out of processing power, even on a 32-bit board, when you start running hard. But input shaping and clipper is what enables that kind of motion system. Without it, we're kind of stuck at Mark 3S speeds. Maybe a little bit faster, but you're not pushing too much more without a considerably more rigid platform. And, well, also servos. Ajax says, you think that right to repair in 3D printing is bad. Look at the medical field. Yep, I understand. I understand. I, I understand. Allison says, how do I get on the Discord server? Allison, I have sent you the invite a couple of times. Um, she is in the Patreon, Ben. Uh, Allison, you have my email. Email me and I will send you uh, the link via email because you're probably not getting the, uh, the message inside of Patreon, uh, but I did send it to you in Patreon. Um, cause you joined, uh, last month, I think. Yeah. Uh, so Matt says, Tony D and super Kara, we're in the voice hangout right now. Yeah. So let's see who's in our, who's in our voice chat. Amber's in there. Ben is in there. Chris cat. LaDon is in there. Element 256, mad cat, Tony D and Zerno are all hanging out in our, um, in, in our, uh, our, uh, our voice channel right now. So, and yes, there is a discord. It is locked behind the $10 tier or higher. Uh, you can do that via PayPal, YouTube, or, uh, Patreon. So, uh, we, we do that so we can keep, you know, the BS out, right? We can have a good, uh, awesome group of people that like to have a lot of fun. So that's what that's all about. So Clipper, there are some feelings, right? I love Marlin and I know how to use Marlin. It's like the one thing that I can do really well uh, inside of Arduino is uh, program Marlin, right? Be able to uh, find what I need, adjust it and everything. It is, um, yeah, it's tough uh, to try to learn a new software. Clipper is what Marlin is moving towards. So uh, Scotty, who is the main contributor and maintainer of um, of Marlin, is uh, moving toward a Clipper-style system where you are able to do input shaping inside of Marlin. Because previously, if you wanted input shaping, you couldn't do Marlin. Y you had to go to Clipper. And, you know, Zombie says it's easier to configure versus Marlin. I, I will trust you, Zombie, because you clearly know more about that than I do. And I am not being facetious. Zombie is uh, one of the people that I know that is an expert when it comes to Clipper. Uh, actually, Allison, I'm going to send you a new link right now because the link that you probably have is outdated. So I'm going to message you literally as we're streaming with a new link so that link will work um so check your messages inside of patreon and you will see it immediately and yeah zombie says it is easier um i just don't know it and that's always what i am uh what i am worried about uh dominic says marlin has input shaping but it didn't there wasn't a way to do it previously and that's why people went 
to Clipper because it was really the only way to do it properly. Um, and Clipper lets you skip all the compiling side and lets you control everything, which is so nice because it means that you can update things on the fly. And I have enjoyed Duet. I do like RepRap firmware. And I've been told that Clipper is very similar to it. Uh, interesting. TJ just asks, is, is RepRap firmware dead? I, I don't think so. But I think that the price of the Duet boards keeps a lot of people from adopting them. We have a Duet 2 Wi-Fi, I think. I honestly don't remember what duet it is. We have a duet. I have no clue what it is uh, in our D-Bot because at the time when we built it, it was the best motherboard on the market. But there are a lot of more affordable motherboards out there that will do most of what the duet will do for much less money. Now, the thing is, very similarly to Prusa, Duet is fully open source. It is, you know, contributed to by a few main uh, contributors and it is a big big project and there will be companies out of china that copy them and will do it for a third of the price or a quarter of the price and people will buy it because it's cheaper now i can understand buying a motherboard because it has features that you want i do get bothered when people will look at buying like duet clones because they don't want to support duet what happens is that forces companies like Duet 3D to look at going closed source on certain things so that they can maintain some sort of sales to give themselves money, right? Because as much as open source is great, it basically enables those to do no work, copy the work that people did, undercut them, and make all the money by writing off the coattails of somebody else. And while that's technically okay... I disagree with it being a thing that people should support and should do. I understand that you might sit there and say, well, Grant, that's just, you know, you being someone who can afford it. And it's not. It's me being someone that wants to support those that support the community and not those that are going to take advantage of cheaper manufacturing. I don't know. It, it, it's a uh, it's a polarizing stance that I have. And while it means I tend to spend more money, it means that I like to support those that support the community. So something to think about there zombie says i would run marlin on a printer if i could remotely manage it like clipper and it had input shaper i understand that and i, I that's kind of what i'm looking forward to with clipper those will be printers that i will put on my network because i control what it sends if i allow it to send anything i love the pie controlled prusa behind me because as long as it's got the right color in it i can just click print from octoprint and walk away it's gonna work and that's really really cool super care says but does duet come with rubber duckies it doesn't and that that would be rough um so oh well Um, Spurlock says, I think like one guy does most of everything for Marlin versus a, pro a professional team or group funded. Maybe I'm mistaken. You are correct. It is Scotty, Scotty Latine. He's been in the comments before and I hope I didn't butcher his name, but yeah, it is, it is like one dude versus a bunch of people. So something to note there. I believe Clipper is important, though, because it is another option that comes at an affordable price that does enable you to be a super user. 
right? A lot of things that Clipper enables, the average person has zero value for, right? But you might choose to go down that path and learn it because you have the opportunity. It, it, Clipper is Marlin for control freaks, just like Super Slicer is Prusa Slicer for control freaks. And there is a big value to it, with the big one being you don't have to compile every single time you make a small change. So updating your firmware is very, very fast. Versus dealing with something that is way worse, like Marlin, where you have to pull the SD card, plug it into your computer, change one little thing, recompile it. It's probably going to break something else. You had to go find all the bugs. Fix the bugs, 99 bugs on the wall, 99 bugs in the code. Take one down, patch it around, there's 152 bugs in the code, okay? It's why I don't like messing with Marlin. I, I can do it, I just don't like doing it because it often causes me more problems. RepRap firmware is nice because it does have that online interface, but you do have to know what you're doing when you set it up, or you're going to have a problem with the setup process. So, yeah. The Nocturnist says, butcher all the names, say it loud and say it proud. Well, I'm not allowed to say proud things in this state anymore. You know, that's uh, that's becoming illegal. Yay, Florida. But I think Clipper is where a lot of the industry is going to move. If Marlin can look at implementing an input shaping style and a Clipper level interface that we can see without the necessity to recompile every time, I believe that Marlin will be here to stay. However, I am a little concerned that unless Scotty can bring in quite a few more people to assist in the development of Marlin, that the fact that Clipper is able to move so fast will simply leave Marlin behind. And... That is kind of what happens in business, right? It sucks, but it is business. And I believe there are enough people out there that would support the Marlin project and help Scotty make this happen. But I think people really have to go for it. Uh, I'm hoping that Scotty does come out to the uh, East Coast Rap Rap Festival because I wanted to interview him last year. We didn't have the opportunity to do it. And I want to interview him this year. And I will freaking book it in my calendar if I have to. So where does this leave us? Right? This year has been crazy for machines. We all kind of expected a Creality clone at some point of the bamboo. But I don't know if I expected it this quick. And I don't think I expected it to be like as close to a copy as possible. Now... I know Sam Prentice has one. I think Nero is getting one. Uh, and Sam has seen massive growth in his channel from it. And I'm so happy for him because he deserves it. Sam makes great content. If you don't know who the real Sam Prentice is, go check out his YouTube channel. I think you'll like it. And if you are looking to see the Bamboo Lab versus the K1 uh, from Creality, he's got a lot of comparisons there. And I'm excited because... These are the kind of things that I want to see as a content creator. Now, I'm fairly certain I'm blacklisted by Creality. I don't think they will ever work with us, and uh, that's okay. Although, I do have a Creality CR scan ferret, but it was sent by a third party. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Um, but nonetheless, I do... I do think we're going to see a few more. I don't know from who. 
Um, the fact that any Cubic and Elegoo haven't made one is something that uh, I'm curious about. That is something to keep an eye on. Elegoo, to me, while they were a first mover, they were the first ones to really come out with an affordable resin printer. Um, they seem to be much more... Um, what's the right word, cautious in their printer designs, right? They saw a hole for a printer with a big build volume. So the Neptune 3 Max exists. Now I'm told there is a Neptune 4 and I'm told it's pretty good, but that's all that I'm told about it and that's all that I know. I would love to take a look at Elegoo's latest Neptune printers. I believe that Elegoo will do it right. I would, I'm hoping that it's all metal because I, I don't want, non-all-metal printers anymore. Um, apparently, it's a proprietary file format. That's weird. Uh, I think you're talking about their resin printers, and that's because they're moving away from the Cheetu boards, and it's the goo.goo um, file extension, which is fine to me. It's no big deal. As long as uh, Lychee Slicer supports it, I could not care less about it. But I am interested to see what the future will hold. I expect to see a lot more Core XY printers before the end of the year. And I expect them to come with different features. I expect us to see some that are small. I expect us to see some that are very large. And mostly, I expect to see printers that are more kits. Because the big thing with Core XY that is a real Debbie Downer for them, is their shipping dimensions. And when you are trying to send printers across the world via containers, shipping dimensions matter a lot more than you think. Because you can only fit so much inside of a shipping container. So the more that you can fit in it, the more money each of those shipping containers can make you. And it's the flat rate to ship a container generally. So there is something to be aware of there. Um, I apparently have missed something. Did somebody say something that I would not be okay with? I don't know who uh, Solano Chieftain is. I don't even see them in the chat here. Oh, because I'm on top chat. I wonder if I go to live chat, if that's going to change things. Mm, I don't see anything. Mods, if you're concerned, just delete the comment. All right, moving on. Oh, yeah, 3D Pilot says, and the, the cut on labor costs. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Mike says, I also need to be able to fit that shipping container into my house through the doorway. Yeah. Yeah. Zombie asks, what size printer do you think users actually need? So, users or me, <laughs> right? Um... Oh, oh, I see. Yep. Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, we're just gonna we're just gonna put them in timeout. I found the comment. They're in timeout. Um, yep. I got it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, print bed size. What print bed size do I think people really want? Well, I think that they want a lot bigger than they need. 
right? Obviously, those that are making cosplay props really want as big of a build volume as they can get. However, I would be more... I, I really think the 180 cube is about all that most people need, right? I have a need for larger than that often, but I'm also not your standard user. My personal prints often fit inside of a 180, no problem. And I think that's a V0, maybe? It is definitely within the Trident. But I did want the biggest Trident that I could get that's an LDO kit because I like big printers and I cannot lie. The smallest printer that we have technically is that $50 piece of shit that actually has Thermal Runaway that I will never print on. But the smallest printer otherwise that is actually functional is going to be our Prusa Minis at 180 cube. And I don't really use them all that often unless I take one of the Minis with me. Um, but I will say the Mini with the Revo, whoo, it's a nice machine. It's a nice machine. Zombie says V0 is rook sized. It is. I hear. I hear a backup sound. Let me make sure that's not FedEx, because I'm actually waiting on a FedEx package that I have to sign for. Let me just make sure that's not it, and we'll be okay. Give me just a second. I can see a truck, but I don't know if it's coming to my house. Oh well, I'll keep an eye on it. But yeah, I think if I had minis on the farm, like on the wall here, we would likely end up using them more. The minis actually stay out in the garage, which is funny. Uh, they do not spend a lot of time inside because one, I'm out of space, and two, no. Um, <laughs> the Nocturnist says, bring them on the live stream. I'm not going to do that. I I'm not going to bring some random FedEx driver onto my live stream. But I can't tell what truck this is. It looks like a white truck, but I don't know if it's FedEx or not. Oh, turn off the sound, Grant. Anyways, it was FedEx, and now they're driving away. Okay, well, that doesn't make any sense. Probably going to my neighbors then. <clears throat> Ben says, because uh, I, I we somebody sent a package from Omaha, Nebraska to my house with signature confirmation, and I have no idea what it is. None. So, uh, yeah, no freaking clue. No freaking clue. But all right. So, Ajax says, personally, I have no interest in any printer smaller than 250. I believe that there is value to machines big, but the vast majority of people don't care to need a machine that big. Small works fine for them. I am really interested in the Rook. The Rook is a machine that really has caught my attention because of how affordable it is and the fact that it's mostly printed. I love the idea of a mostly printed 3D printer. And if they're absolutely adorable like the Rook is, and the Rook 180 might be one to build we are going to be doing a rook build we're going to be doing a 2.4 build we're going to be doing a v0 build and a few others it looks like fabrico is going to be sponsoring most of those um so that'll be a lot of fun 
However, I don't think the average person needs any bigger than 180 often. They might, but I don't think so. Every now and then you might. But I believe if you have a smaller printer that you can build your designs to be more adequate for what's going on in the industry and what your needs specifically are. So it does to me come down to what you're looking for. If you need a big printer and have a need for a big printer, then get a big printer. But if you can easily build something in pieces and then assemble it with either carbon fiber rods or threaded rods or just 3D gloop or something like that, you'll get a much better value when it comes to actually having space. Because if there's one thing, big bed slingers take up a ton of space. And yeah. I don't know. Zombie says he's excited for a Trident 250 as the best middle size printer. I want I wanted the Trident 300. So, because it was it was only a little bit more money to get the slightly bigger machine. So I said I I will gladly have the slightly bigger machine. The extra build volume has a lot more value to me, and I think it's only a hundred bucks extra. It's well worth it. Um, Ajax says the bigger the build plate is, the more multicolor you can fit on and less waste you have if mass producing. I do understand that notion that you can put more pieces on there, but if you are looking to do mass production on a 3d printer, you'll want a belt just straight up. You'll want a belt. And zombie says that's the thing with the Trident 250 and 300 are almost same. Yeah. You get an extra 50 mil in the Z axis, which you might not ever use. But for the extra hundred bucks, I'd rather have it and not need it than need it and not have it. It's my personal feeling, at least. Big machines are core XY. As Diano says, large bed slingers have lots of issues. I 100%, 100,000% agree with you. I want big core XY. That's why we built our big core XY. But I'll tell you, the damn thing needs to be heavily modified to run at any reasonable speed because right now it is way too shaky for it to run at any reasonable speeds so that's the current problem that we're running into something that we will have to work on in the near future i don't know if that's ever going to be a video series it might be but it's a really pain in the ass printer to move so we'll see if we can look at expanding the business either into a shipping container or a cargo trailer or, or something, um, then yes, we will do a series on it. But otherwise, I just don't know if my garage can handle uh, and my set can handle that machine. So just not sure. But yeah, we've got a lot of cool stuff coming out in this industry. And I think the Core XY Bamboo clones are going to be here to stay, at least for the foreseeable future. I would love 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 to see more value in this industry and see more companies focusing on core xy machines while i do love bed slingers because they're easy to service and they're easy to use i believe that if you're looking for high speed core xy is really the right way to go or some sort of bed is not slinging back and forth level of 3d printer
Clipper and Input Shaper are here to stay and will likely see mass adoption across even some of the more affordable Chinese manufacturers. We will likely see a consumer market that stops looking so closely for a printer that is open source and more one that fits their needs. That upsets me as an OG in the industry, but I inherently understand it. While I don't have any means to control it, I do hope that those that made those decisions won't come back and bitch and moan that, oh, they can't get the parts for their walled garden printer that they knew about when they bought into it. Because, well, you kind of got what you got, and you kind of deserve it. I believe that once we see some outrage regarding closed source machines not supporting right to repair, that more companies will choose to open source their machines as a reactionary process rather than a, pre a proactive process. And what that means for the consumer is good. But I'm expecting something in the lines of 6 to 12 months until we can even start to see those benefits come out, and it will be a rocky road to get us there. With Bamboo being the de facto standard for Core XY consumer-ish grade 3D printers that are under $2,000, we're going to see a lot of companies try to compete with that, and they're going to have varying levels of success. Moving forward, we're going to see more companies move into doing cheap, affordable bed slingers with Clipper because they don't want to compete at the high price market and know that there are still people that want $200 Ender 3s and would be happy to pay with a $400 Ender 3 with Clipper because they don't want to put in the work themselves to do it. Those that opt to go with the bed slinger route will have to understand that there will be some you know, side effects of going to it, one of which being you can't really run ABS, ASA, nylon, and all that without fully enclosing it. And that's where products like the Politician will come in to better help those people. We are building a product called the Politician, and yes, we will have a mod to fit it into your bamboo that will not void your warranty. Welcome to the market, ladies and gentlemen. It's coming. But look, there is a lot going on in this industry, and I want you guys to keep an eye on it as well. I will be. We're going to try to do these style of videos maybe once a quarter or once every six months just to try to get a better idea. Let me know what you guys think in those comments below, but I think we've kind of covered most of what we need to cover today. Uh, if there's any final thoughts that you guys have, let me know, but realistically, I'm seeing a lot more value coming out of these uh, Chinese printers these days, and I'm kind of okay with it. TJ187 says, I tried the Carbon Rod and iGoose LM8UU bearing so many years ago. Will they make a comeback as a combo because of the bamboo machines? Adding lightness is the easiest way to go faster. I hope not. I don't like iGoose uh, bushings. I know they call them bearings. They're bushings. I have them on my TAS 6, and I find they have a ton of play. And when you start running really big prints on the TAS 6, the inertia will, will, will cause the print bed to literally start to rock. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it sucks. It sucks. Uh, but I know on an X-axis, there's a lot less, um, pressure on it. So, Maybe that works out for you. Maybe it doesn't. I, uh, I don't know. Um, ba uh, Zombie says, I don't want to clone bamboo. I want to improve bamboo. Amen to that, brother. I hope so, too. Uh, Spurlock says, get a used school bus. It's not happening. They're way too difficult to, uh, 
basically make them hurricane proof. Remember, I got to make something hurricane proof up here. Dino says, I've collected a lot of purge blocks. Any ideas? Colors are too messy for silicone molding, too solid for grinding. Any European facilities collecting PLA? You can melt them down into bricks and use them as walkway paths. We often see people doing this in uh, community gardens where they will melt down their uh, 3D printed you know, purge blocks and whatever into bricks and then bring them to community gardens where they can be used to uh, move around uh, without getting your feet too dirty. And they do happen to look pretty cool. So, uh, you know, there's that. TJ says they need a lot of compression to be fit good. Once they're dialed, they're good. I understand that. But when you load them from one side like the TAS-6 does, uh, they, they tend to waller out. I would be curious to see if someone does some sort of an iGoose uh, mod for the bamboo, uh, but I don't see a lot of people modding bamboos in that way unless they have a necessity to do so. I think once um, my bushings start to go, we will look at doing those mods because we know we have to replace it all anyways, so who the hell cares if we break it in the process of trying to find new ways around it? So Darkening Shadow 32 says, sup, just walked in the door, hope all's going well. It is going well, we're having a great day, and I would love for you guys to like the video as well. Um, let me know. Uh, any final thoughts that we have before, uh, other than subscribe, like, comment, all those kind of things. Uh, join our Patreon, YouTube channel members, PayPal, whatever you guys want to do. Um, you know. Uh, Engineer AF says, I want to see filament manufacturers mold their spool holders with recycled parts. Eh, I don't know. But you know what I do want to see? And uh, it has been shot down, and I am so bummed about it. I want to see cardboard spool filament manufacturers put wildflower seeds in the cardboard. So that when you're done, you can literally just toss the spool outside and let the rain melt the cardboard away and turn it into a substrate for growing wildflowers. The problem is, wildflowers are not the same everywhere and can be invasive. So uh, unless you're also dealing with region locking your spools, you can't do that and I am so upset about it. Uh, R3DZ says, do we have an estimated cost on the politician? Yes, 50 US dollars will be the estimated cost on it. It will not come with the power supply. And you might say, well, Grant, why not? Because you probably have a bucket of power supplies laying around your house that your significant other is telling you to throw away. I have just given you the I told you so, and you're welcome for it. But we'll also have an ability to just buy one through an Amazon affiliate link, so you can do that too. The politician will come in three voltages, 12, 20, and 24 volts. You might ask Grant why the 20 volt option. It is because most laptops run on 20 volts. And if you want it to be so spicy, USB-C PD would be a possibility. Anyways. Uh, uh, Zombie says he asked about seeds, international internationally it's a nightmare for shipping yep yep yeah jonas e says i wonder why nobody has reverse engineered the x axis carriage yet because it is a monumental pain in the ass to do it 3d pine lab says grant do you successfully print it 250 millimeter z heights on the sv06 my prints are failing at 238 i have never needed to i've have other printers that we print much bigger with um so no i haven't uh 
Engineered AF says, I also heard that the cardboard can't be recycled due to the glue. I might have heard that here, actually. That is correct. Yeah, the glue on the cardboard is a bit of a pain. If we did go to a more water-soluble glue, this would not be a problem anymore. Uh, Ajax says, so I can, so it can charge through lightning. Hmm. Uh, no, USB-C. USB-C. Uh, R3DZ says the power supply needs to be called the intern. If we make a battery operated one, we will have to call that the intern upgrade. That would be funny. And we include, we just put a cat sticker on it because that is the right way to do it. Never let the machines win says I am torn on the value of cardboard spools. I can recycle them, which is great, but I have to put printed plastic hubs and outer rings, uh, on most of them to keep them turning smoothly. Yeah. Yeah. That does suck, and it's because of, you know, machines like the AMS from Bamboo that we need to do something like that. And I hate it as much as you do. I look at it and say it is a small investment. I don't want to do the really thin ones. I want ones that are a little bit more beefy so I can reuse them. Uh, and I think that is a much better value because then you're not throwing away a lot of plastic. Um, your AF says, who are some of the other YouTubers you're enjoying these days, if any? I mean, it's kind of the ones you guys already know, right? Nero, Modbot, Joel, 3D Printing Nerd, uh, Uncle Jesse, uh, let's see, Mandic Really, Sam Prentice, uh, who else have I been watching? I, Tom Sodlotterer, CNC Kitchen, uh, Maker's Muse, Teaching Tech, uh, I, I, I'm not watching a lot of YouTube in the industry much these days, just because I am always concerned of being, um, like influenced or have my opinions slightly adjusted due to the other, uh, you know, opinions of the community. So, um, kind of the ones I was still watching from the beginning. So. MacCat says, printed solid, if I remember correct, does not use glue in their cardboard spools. They do have new ones that might use glue. I need to get through one of the new spools and rip it apart and find out. Uh, why Baldred is asking, how many watts does a politician take? What kind of temperature ranges could it regulate for a printer chamber? It is designed to run on 50 watts. Uh, it will be able to go up to 60C currently. We will have a high temp variant, uh, but we are looking to be able to produce out of uh, PLA and PETG, most likely PETG. Uh, however, I'm getting a custom run of both materials made, which I guess I should let the manufacturer know that we are looking to get both PLA and PETG in that custom color. Um, we will eventually look at doing a uh, custom run uh, for an ABS or uh, ASA, but at this time, I'm not looking to, um, yeah, to, to do that. Uh, we want to stick with, the idea originally was for resin printing, but we found out, wait, it can actually work great for FDM as well. Uh, but the goal is to keep chamber temperatures inside of a resin printer, and it can maintain a 30C chamber temp, with a 24, it can move 60 in 30 seconds inside of a Elegoo Mars build chamber. So, uh, yeah, it, it, it should do well. We're going, probably should work on it more this afternoon, uh, but we're hoping to go into uh, closed beta in the next three to four weeks uh, with the official launch of it being at the East Coast Rep Rap Festival. So that's the kind of thing you're looking for. 
stay tuned. We will be talking about it. And we will have a post-mortem on it uh, for the podcast where we talk about releasing a physical product. Uh, oh, uh, Mike says, doesn't have bamboo, but other spooling systems stumble with bent and dented spool edges. Good to know. Uh, is bamboo's master spool open source or did they patent that? I don't think they've patented it, but I also don't think they've released it. So this is what we would call trade secret. Uh, that's just a normal thing for a company to do if they choose not to open source it. But there are plenty of master spool designs out there. And I believe there are people that have already copied the general style of the bamboo master spool. Um, and if you are not really looking to mess around, you could just go to the bamboo master spool. However, be careful in using spools to adapt over to it. I know you can easily rip off the sides of a polymaker spool, but from some of our fans that have tried it with printed solid spools, will tell you it's a good way to lose $20. Dino says cardboard spools tend to lift up if your uh, storing solution pulls from the top. I had to do modification as well in my DIY. Now, I, I, I don't, it must be a friction thing, but you know, it's all good. Uh, all the filaments and discord would like some links. I don't know what kind of links you guys are looking for, but just let me know. Vicky Whittle says I am new to the channel, but thank you for great content. I've been binge listening to the episode while I renovate the house. Hey, glad there's something for you to enjoy. Uh, glad you enjoy it. I guess I don't know why people enjoy listening to me, but. Anyways, we're going to call this one here, guys. Um, I appreciate everybody coming out. Hopefully, you guys have enjoyed it. Um, that's all we got for you guys. Stay safe out there. Don't forget to call your loved ones. And as always, keep making awesome. Season 3, Episode 35, The State of 3D Printing. Take care.